Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Uh, good morning. I want to start off today's message a little bit differently than uh, normal. Uh, we're going to have a little different feel in this time. Uh, Sunday's message was recorded on Thursday evening um, so that I didn't really respond to what's going on in um, the news and in our world, uh, specifically with this, this heinous uh, killing of Mr. Floyd and what's going on um, in that moment. And so we're going to talk about uh, vengeance. We're going to talk about revenge and a mindset behind that this morning. But I couldn't do that with as much um, intensity and intentionality as I probably would have um, if we were not in the COVID situation. So I want to speak directly into that in this moment. And so we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about um, Jesus calling us to be salt and light into this time period in in, in wherever we're at. And I am struck by an MLK quote, that darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. is a pastor first. And he is intentionally bringing out the uh, the metaphor of Jesus calling us to be salt and light into the world uh, in this moment. And so he's, he knows what he's doing with those word choices. And we, we gloss over it because we're removed or maybe in a post-Christian society or we don't know um, the church um, language that well. But uh, Martin Luther King knew it well, and he could uh, use that to his advantage and use that um, as the wordsmith as he was. But what he's really doing is hearkening back to Jesus and this moment in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to talk about uh, some stuff here coming up in, in just a few short minutes minutes about how we interpret what does it look like to turn the other cheek? What does it look like to go the extra mile and to give the clothes off your back to someone? I want to be clear. I in no way, shape, or form am I going to try to tell an African-American person how they should feel in this moment, in this time. Because I know if I was a black man and my son was a black a, a black young man, my feelings would be really different right now. And the way in which I would be interpreting and, and viewing the world would be drastically different. I do have a privilege of that I don't have to worry about those things. I'm never, if I get pulled over by for speeding or doing anything, do I feel like I'm going to get accused of maybe something I didn't do. Never even enters my mind. And for far too many of my uh, African-American brothers and sisters, that's something they live with every day. And I just, I can't even comprehend it, honestly. I, I can't, I can't understand it. I don't even know where it comes from. It, it's just something that's, it's beyond my comprehension. And yet I have to grab a hold of it in some way so that I can walk through life with my African-American brothers and sisters. So I can actually love them well. And folks, it's time for us to love well. We can't just brush this under the rug. This can't be a news cycle thing. That's just over. And we're like, oh, good. I'm glad the Minneapolis thing's over. Oh, good. I'm glad the, 
that thing's over, the next one, the next one, the next one. The next one's happening way too often. What do we need to do? How do we stand firm? How do we stand up for? How do we be salt and light? How do we love well? How do we drive out darkness? Those are huge questions. And ones I'm sorry, I'm not smart enough to figure out and, and have the perfect answers for. But it's something I want to work towards. It's something I want to be about. It's something I want to be a part of. So how do we drive out the darkness? Today we're going to talk about the scripture of uh, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. How vengeance can't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, or the, the, the results for it isn't, doesn't work that way. How do we deal with that? How do we move past it? How do we react well to it? Once again, I'm not trying to tell anybody how they should feel in this moment. I can't imagine how people feel. But I know we've got to start standing up for people who no one's standing up for. The obvious frustration, the obvious pain, the obvious mental anguish is there. And if we just ignore it, all we're doing is being part of the problem and not part of the solution. So as we study the scripture today, as we dive into the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to, to join in with me in prayerfully considering what does it look like to open my heart and my head to new solutions, to racial injustices. What does that look like? What does it, what does it mean? Maybe it's asking some hard questions of ourselves. Do I have preconceived notions that are just wrong? Where do they come from? Some hard self-examination. Maybe that's for you and me this morning. And then maybe it's how we conduct ourselves, how we act what we invest in, who we vote for. But it's going to take white middle-class people saying enough is enough. This is wrong. Not in a self-aggrandizing moment, but we're the ones that have a lot of voices and a lot of power. Not to the detriment of anyone else, just say, wait a minute, why is this happening? What are we going to do about it? I want us to think about that. I want us to pray through it. As we study the scripture, and what an eye for an eye, what a tooth for a tooth, what turn the other cheek can mean for us as we try to lead social change and be a part of it. Because the people in the New Testament were an oppressed people group. They were dealing with all kinds of issues. And how do we deal with that? How do we help in that? How do we, as we are called to be salt and light, drive out darkness. I hope this message hits you and you can think about those things. But I would have been missing a huge pastoral moment if I wouldn't have spoken to that this morning. I love you. And I hope you wrestle with this. I hope you get mad at me for it. I hope you think, I hope it causes you to pray. I hope it causes you to journal. I hope it causes you to, to really wrestle with these topics because so often we just wipe it away. Somebody else's issue, some other place.
Love you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these people. I thank you for the honor and the privilege of worshiping and ministering to them wherever they're at, whatever living room they're in, wherever car they're in, whatever they're doing in this moment, in this time. And God, even through the, the craziness of this corona pandemic, God, that we can come together and be salt and light in this moment and in this time. And Lord, would you just anoint us in how we live that out? God, we don't want to be bystanders. We don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. We want to be your people. We don't even know what that looks like and what that means, but we know life can't be the way it is right now. You want more for your creation than this. And so, God, would you please show us how to be your salt and your light. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're jumping back into our series called Not Today, Satan, where we're tackling life's big issues, anger, lust, uh, integrity. And today we're talking about vengeance. Uh, Yeah, just light, light, light subjects. But what we're talking about in this Not Today Satan is where does Satan attack us in these moments and where can we stand firm and be prepared and say, no, 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 not today. You're not taking me down this path today. Because that's how we always start every day with the best intentions, don't we? We start out the day going, oh, today's going to be amazing. And then your kids barge into the door. Today's going to be amazing. And then you read that text that you got. Today's going to be amazing, and then all, you know, the sump pump's broken. Today's going to be amazing, and something happens. And how do we respond? How do we navigate those challenges in life? And so I want us to have, be equipped to say, not today, Satan. You're not taking my joy, my victory today. So I want you to open your Bibles to chapters uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're exploring the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus downloads how to handle life's crazy circumstances. It is the cliff notes of the whole entire Bible. It is the meat and potatoes and vegetables. It's the whole thing about what's going on in the scripture. You want to dive into the Sermon on the Mount. And so that's found in Matthew chapter 5. We're at verse 38 to 41. Only four four verses, I believe, today. We're diving in today. Uh, Verse 38. You have heard it that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Four verses, four cliches. This is jam-packed full of biblical teachings. It's so jam-packed that we've probably kind of gotten used to this. You think about these old statements that have been said, eye for an eye, turn the other cheek, get the cloak off your back, walk an extra mile. These are things that become cliche in our, in our vernacular and, and how we just even speak. And when they become cliche, we start to misuse them. But Jesus is really diving into how to, how to deal with when people are, are mistreating you in four simple little verses, this, this small condensed time. And see, here's the thing about the not today Satan with this particular uh, passages is that because it's so rote, it's so ingrained into our psyche, it's so ingrained into even, uh, we see TV misuse this, we see uh, it's misused and misquoted in conversation on Facebook and all kinds of different places that we hear the words, an eye for an eye, and we automatically think, yeah, that's, that's right. We should get back. Except that's the exact opposite of what Jesus 
is talking about. In many conversations, I, I talk to people, and they will actually quote eye, to, eye for an eye, thinking they're quoting scripture to the pastor guy, right? Well, they are, but they're misquoting scripture. It's not the thought process that Jesus is going by in any way. Eye for an eye makes sense, right? Eye for an eye makes sense. Jesus is going through a whole slew of things that make sense, but then he's getting underneath that and talking about what's really going on. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't, get, uh, don't commit murder, right? That makes sense. That's a good idea. Don't kill people. It's on my to-do list, right? Don't kill people. But then he follows it up by saying, don't, even, don't get angry. Don't, don't, don't call people fools. Whoa, 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 Jesus. I, I, I can handle the not killing people, but not name calling, that's kind of difficult. And then he says, hey, you've heard it said don't commit adultery. Okay, that's, that's, I, I understand that one. And then it says, but I'm telling you don't even lust. Whoa, that raises the bar a little higher there, Jesus. And today he's talking about, you've, you've heard it said, Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, justice. That makes sense. Balancing the scales. Jesus is like, that's not, that's not good enough either. That's not how we live. Because he's, he's framing this whole conversation. He started it out with, you are the salt and the light of the world. You are. You are what makes it taste good. You are what illuminates it. You are what brings life to the world. And if you're going to truly do that, you've got to live by these principles. You can't just be like, oh, don't commit adultery. Don't, uh, don't murder people in, in, in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You can't just do those. You've got to go deeper than that. And that's what really makes you salt. That's what makes you light. And that is where the difficulty lies and where the, the challenge is. See, what Satan is excellent at, Satan knows the scripture. He is excellent at quoting the scripture and then twisting it. In fact, when you see Jesus being tempted by Satan, out in the desert, Satan actually uses scripture and twists it. He just, he, he gives scripture, but it's in just the wrong way. And for me and for you, I think we, when we're not familiar with the scripture enough, when we don't know it, when we aren't consuming it, when we're not sitting in it, meditating on it and understanding it, making it part of who we are, we can easily fall victim to that, that trick, that yeah, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That, that does sound like scripture. That sounds right. No, it's only the start. Jesus is going to take this so much farther, but yet we fall victim to that because we don't know it. We don't understand it. We don't, it does sound right. It sounds good. Someone pokes out my eye. I want to poke out your eye. So now we're even. The problem with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, if we practice that all the time, we would have a lot of blind denture-wearing people. That's what we would have. It would be who we are because it, does, it's, it doesn't work. It breaks down at a certain point. And so Jesus is saying, listen, listen, if you're going to be salt and light of the world, we need to do this differently. See, revenge is not godly, it's petty. Revenge is not godly, it's petty. And in Ephesians 5, it calls us to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. That's 
how we're supposed to conduct our life. That's how we're supposed to make our choices. That's how we're supposed to make our decisions from our bank accounts to our time management to how we raise our kids. How do we become imitators of God in this moment, in this time, in this thought process? And so Jesus is showing us how to do that. And he's saying, hey, listen, what? Revenge is not godly. That's not the way to imitate God. In fact, it's pretty petty. And so we're going to go through this scripture and really dive into what it meant for them that day and what it can mean for us in this moment as well. Revenge is not godly, it's petty. See, remember who he is talking to. He is talking to a group of people that have absolutely no power. They don't hardly own anything. In fact, probably the only thing that they own is the coat and the clothes on their back. That's the only thing they own. The animals that they're probably taking care of, they probably don't own those. They're just shepherds. But the, the, the owner of the shepherds is somewhere, or the owner of the sheep is somewhere else. They may have a house, but the landowner owns that. They may take care of something else, but they may be uh, making wine, but they don't own the grapevines. They don't own the land. And so this is who Jesus is talking to. And so this is really, really important to people who are subjugated, people who don't have control over their own destinies. And so what, what that looks like and, and how we're salt and light in that moment and in that time is really, really, really important to how we understand how we're supposed to live. Because while we have a lot more um, authority over our own lives, we are blessed in that. And living in this country, we have a lot of authority over our lives. But at the, at the end of the day, we still have people who control us, people who dictate what we can and cannot do. We have taxes to pay and laws to abide by and and bills to pay. We're underneath different authority structures. And so when we we deal with that, we can identify with these guys and and gals as they live their lives. And Jesus is speaking to them and saying, I know you don't have authority. I know you're seeking justice. I know you're hurting. I I know you kind of probably have vengeance growing in your heart, but that's not the way that we imitate God. In fact, these verses become the playbook in which Gandhi starts reading the scripture and understanding what social disobedience could look like. So uh, Jesus even out Gandhi's Gandhi, right? This is where Martin Luther King Jr. got his, um, the view of, of how he should conduct his life and how he should do, uh, conduct social disobedience, so. Jesus is out MLKing MLK. That's where they got this from. That's where they, they understood that this could be a, a possibility is from these kind of this passage here that justice isn't really what God's about in our human interactions. In no way, shape, or form does God uh, expect the scales to be even. Now, this is, a, this is a hard concept. This is tough because I like the scales to be even. And there's people in my life who love to have the scales even. But when we have the scales even, then everything has to be fair. Everything has to amount to the same. But when we talk about a relationship with God and the love of God for us in our lives, the scales are absolutely never even. They're never even. Never even. There's no way that no matter how good I could be, if I did everything perfect in my life, if I just, I did everything you can imagine to be the best man I possibly can be, I still do not deserve the blood of Christ redeeming me. And if I am the worst person in the history of mankind, 
I still can't outbad the blood and redemption of Christ washing me clean and making me white as snow and calling me to him. I can't do it. I can't write the scales of justice. I, I can't do it. I don't have that authority. That's God's authority. And in that, when we, when we delve into that, we, we don't understand that. We understand like, ah, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You punched me, I punched you. You poked me, I poked you. Like that's every car ride with two 10-year-olds in the history of mankind. Eh, eh, eh. He's touching me, he's touching me. You're touching her. And they just poke and poke and poke and poke and drives. Their dad, insane. It's time. Pray for me, please. But in this idea of justice, God's not about that kind of justice, even. He's about a different kind of justice. And when we get, we get to model this kind of justice, this, this uneven justice, this exorbitant amount of mercy and, and love, that's what we get to live out. When we're going to be imitators of God, we get to love like that. To put it a different way, imagine, if you would, that Lucy, my three-year-old, and I were on a seesaw. If we're on a seesaw, this is going to end really poorly for Lucy, right? Because anytime I sit down on that seesaw, that little three-year-old girl is going to go flying in the air like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It doesn't matter if she has a backpack on filled with rocks. She is not going to even out the scales with me. If she takes that backpack off, it's not going to matter at all. Adding 5, 10 pounds is not going to matter. At the end of the day, she's still 30 pounds, and it's just not going to be even with whatever I am. And that's how when we try to like get even with God and, and, and figure that whole the scales of justice out with God, it's never, going to, it's never going to work. It just doesn't work. And that's what Jesus is speaking into in this moment, in this time. He's like, listen, guys, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I'm throwing that out because it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. We got a lot of blind people around here. And so as we step into these cliches, what does that mean for us? The first I want to talk about is the turn the other cheek cliche. The turn the other cheek cliche. And what this is, is actually, um, it's an honor-shame idea. Because I mentioned earlier that the people don't own very much. They may only own the clothes on their back. They may only own um, just a few, few, few little things. And uh, so when they don't own anything, they can't find their identity and maybe possessions, like we kind of do, they find their identity and their honor and the shame and what that means. And so uh, when they talk about turning the other cheek, it was a huge offense to get slapped, but it was even more of a huge offense to get backslapped. So let me tell you just how terrible, uh, how, how terrible it was to be slapped. If you slap somebody without proper reason for this, without proper insult to my honor. If I, if I slapped Kevin and I just did it to, to humiliate him, he could take me to court and the punishment for slapping him was cutting off one of my ears. Okay. That's crazy. Think about that. That's the justice scale, the eye for an eye, the tooth for tooth. If I slap you, I lose an ear. If I slapped you and you didn't really actually deserve it. If I backslapped you, you can sue me for monetary uh, compensation. 
Think about that. Not only are you going to cut off an ear, but also you get to sue me for money just because I slapped you. That's how big of a deal it was to the honor shame society. And Jesus is saying, listen, throw all that away. It doesn't matter. If someone slaps you, dishonors you, takes away like maybe whatever honor you have, just give them the other cheek. It's not what what you're about. Not slapping back, not attacking back. Here, here. Because I think this is the point that Jesus is trying to teach in this, is restraint is godly. Restraining yourselves is godly. It's hard, of course. Restraining yourself is godly. The second cliche that I want to talk about is Give someone the clothes off your back. Give them the clothes off your back. It, it comes from this, right? Give them the clothes off your back. So what's going on is um, if you were taken to court, you couldn't ever be uh, separated from your cloak. Your cloak, uh, think of like Joseph in the mini-colored uh, cloak. It's really, really important. It's an identifier for who you are, maybe for your trade. I also acted as your blanket. For humanitarian reasons, it was kind of, Everyone knew you don't mess with somebody's cloak, their outer garment. But your, your not your undergarments, but the in-between garments you could uh, take. And so if I had a nice shirt, maybe I got something, um, you know, I got a nice shirt, I have a nice whatever that robe looks like, um, but I owe you money and because I probably wouldn't have earned actual money that often. I don't own a house that you can take away from me. I don't own these other things that I can actually take your clothes. But as long as you can cover yourself with your cloak, I can take your clothes. And so that's what's going on here. And what happens is Jesus says, listen, if they're so desperate to to sue you to take your clothes, just go ahead and give them your cloak as well. Then they have to deal with the shame of you standing there naked. And make a very awkward conversation. People just start taking off stuff and handing it to you. I don't, I don't know how that really works, but that's where this comes from is Jesus is saying, listen, we're not about that. The justice scales don't have to be even. We're going to go over and above whatever it takes to make something right. Because if you're being sued in a, in a court of law, that you probably deserve to be sued in a court of law. And so we're not just going to pay the penalty. We're going to go above and beyond and make it right. To this point, generosity is godly. Going above and beyond is godly. Generosity is godly. And so we see Jesus saying, listen, listen, we're not just doing the bare minimum to make those scales perfectly in line. We don't care about the scales. We do not care about if the scales are even. Restraint is godly. Generosity is godly is godly. And then finally, we talk about going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. This is a cliche that we take out of the context of the scripture and we kind of muddle it. It's a great, 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 great uh, thing to say. It's We talk about in work. We talk about as a, as a compliment to people. We talk about it at, at practices. They're going the extra mile. Man, they really went the extra mile. And what Jesus is saying here is actually, it's it's kind of, it's a little dark, actually. So what happens is um, when Jesus says, go the extra mile with someone who, who, who wants you to, to go with them, he's saying a lot of political statements without saying anything political. Bec- 
the first thing is this. A mile is not a Jewish term of measurement. It's a Roman term of measurement. And what's going on is the Roman soldiers could have come up next to a person uh, standing there. Maybe you're, you're waiting to pick up your job. You're, you're trying to get your flawful. Whatever you're trying to do, you're hanging out. And uh, the Roman soldiers come by and say, hey, you, you need to carry my pack. And they hand you their pack and they go marching and they get the 40-pound pack off their shoulders and put it onto yours. Uh, for a mile. They could legally conscript that and just say, hey, you're going to be my porter for the next mile here, and I'm going to get a little break. And that was part of the Romans conquering you. Now, it was against the rules for them to make you go two miles. And so what they've done is, uh, but think about the humiliation of that. No matter what you're doing, you're hanging out, you're having a good day. Maybe you're, maybe you're talking up a lady friend. I don't know what you're doing. You're trying to make some business. You're trying to do, uh, you're trying to get your food, you're, whatever you're doing. And they just say, hey, drop what you're doing. You're coming with me. You're carrying my stuff. How humiliating is that? And that's what this is about. And so Jesus says, listen, don't fight them on this. Go the extra mile. Because then they're going to start getting real nervous, right? They're going to start getting real nervous. Does my, my centurion know this guy's keeping... Stop walking, man. Just give me the stuff back. No, I got it. I got it. Stop walking. Give me... Those are funny, weird conversations you have to think about. But nothing would have shown them that they were not masters of their own universe, that they were not in control of their own destiny, that they were subjugated people than having to carry somebody's dirty laundry a mile in the middle of the desert. That's what's going on here. And Jesus is saying, don't just do it for one mile, but do it for two. This point is service is godly. Restraint is godly. Generosity is godly. And service is godly. This is a huge shift in how we operate and how we deal with people that make us mad, that make us frustrated, that bring tension into our lives. It's so easy for these people that annoy us that we have some angst with to keep a tally sheet of, well, they did it and they did it and this did it. Oh, I'm going to get back at them with this. And, da, 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 da. and that, that, that balance sheet better be even. For people we love, we kind of let it go a little bit. But this, he's talking to people that you hate. He's bringing to mind the Romans who are subjugating these people, who have crucified people up and down the road. Who He's saying, listen, those are the, even the people that you serve. Jesus is saying, hey, take your scales of justice, throw them out the window. God doesn't play with that. His love is bigger than that. His mercy is bigger than that. His justice looks totally different than whatever you can write, think about, know about. See, when we pick and choose scripture, we write our own kind of scripture in our head. We write our own story. We're like, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And we just stick there. That's a trick of Satan to get us off kilter because Jesus is saying something so countercultural, so amazingly difficult to do that we are already looking for an out. We're already looking for a way to, I don't want to really do that one. I don't want to press into that one. I don't want to have to you know, relinquish any sense of justice I have for mercy, for grace. So we're real easy to be tempted to, to, to latch into these, these lies of Satan. And we have to stand firm and say, not today, Satan. You're not going to let me, I'm not going to build up that tally sheet in my head today. 
Yesterday, I may have had 87 wrongs to two rights. I I know that. I'm throwing that away, and I'm not going to keep that today. Today, I'm going to love without expectation. I'm going to show mercy without demanding it back. Is this easy? Absolutely not. Is it difficult? Oh, yeah. I think this is one of the more difficult passages of Scripture that Jesus places on our lives. If you really want to be godly, if you really want to be salt and light of the world, this is what you got to do. You got to go the extra mile when it means you got to do it for your enemy. I can go the extra mile for people I love. I will go the extra mile for my kids and for my wife any day of the week and twice on Saturday. It is total. I'm fine with that. But for people I don't like, for people who I hurt, for people that, that, that actually try to hurt me, whew, that's tough. Be generous to people who are trying to sue me or trying to take away my livelihood. Oh, that's, that's different. Restrain myself from the cutting comment or the, the bite back or the zinger. You know that's difficult for me. Matthew 5, 38 says, You have heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you take, and take your shirt, hand over the coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile with them, go two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is not an easy statement. But can you think about the ramifications if we live this out? Can you think about how life would change? Can you think about how the way in which you conduct yourself would change if you started to live out these things? if you sought godliness through restraint, through generosity, and through service, if you, if you really pressed into these things, I think it changes the culture in which we find ourselves. I think Christians around the country would be viewed totally different. I think we'd be taken in a different light. I think we'd be understood differently. I think it would be much easier to say, hey, I go to church, and I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And people are like, I don't know how you guys do it, but I'm interested. So often we sell ourselves out and we just, we stop after the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and say, yeah, 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 I'll do that part. And not the hard stuff. This is not the cookies on the bottom shelf. This is difficult, difficult stuff. But it's worth it because Jesus is teaching us, if you really want to be salt and light into a dark world and a tasteless world, this is what you got to do. This is what life looks like. These are the hard things. But they're the hard things that change the world. And he's inviting you to be a part of it. No matter whatever your past was, no matter how worthless you may feel you are at this moment, no matter how isolated you feel you are, no matter, I don't have a voice in this, this world. No, no, he's inviting you to be a part of it at this moment, at this time. No matter how bad you think your scales are, he throws those out and says, listen, I have a plan for you. I believe in you, that you are the salt and light of the world. You are blessed. You are lucky. You have what it takes. That's what Jesus wants to speak into you this morning. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know what you've been struggling with and dealing with, but I know you need to hear those words. That Jesus wants to say to you, you have what it takes to be the light of the world. You have what it takes to be the salt of the world. You bring the flavor. This morning, I
I want to ask you to pray with me as we try to take these steps to say, not today, Satan. You're not taking, uh, you're not making the scales in my head anymore. You're not giving me this Excel spreadsheet where I got to keep tally marks of what all the goods and all the bads that people have done to me. Not today, Satan. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Lord, I ask you to be with us and guide us as we try to take the next steps of faith. That we want to be people that show restraint. That we want to be people that are extravagantly generous. And that we want to be people who serve and serve well. Lord, would you empower us to live this way? We know there's going to be stumbling blocks. We know there's going to be be tension when we try to change our behavior in this way. So Lord, we, we can't do it by ourselves. So we crave your Holy Spirit to empower us to change our behavior, change our mindset, change the way in which we live. Would you guide us and direct us in every step that we take? Lord, we are desperate for your love and for your mercy. And God, I thank you that you're not holding us to an unreasonable crazy sense of justice, that you love us and you, you care so much about us that you seek us out and you show us extravagant love, extravagant grace, extravagant mercy. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week and a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.